0: At MSA, your health and safety drive is to develop advanced safety equipment with performance and protection in perfect balance. Like Globe Athletics, the latest innovation in turnout gear. Developed as an athletic gear for firefighters, Athletics uses unique stretch fabrics that provide body contoured fit for unprecedented range of motion and flexibility. It's lighter weight, less bulky, and provides the protection you need from your turnout gear. Get the full story at msafire.com. slash globe.
1: Hi, welcome to Today on Firehouse. My name is Pete Matthews. I'm the editor of Firehouse, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Um, excited to have Sean Egan from Buffalo, New York on. Uh, Sean is going to share some stories uh, about Mayday incidents he's been involved in in the last few years. I'd also share some advice as well as um, some tips to handle Mayday situations. Uh, before we begin the podcast, I just want to give a, a big thank you to all the fire and EMS folks, uh, the healthcare folks, law enforcement, uh, everybody that's out there right now as we're working through the COVID-19 situation. Uh, my brother's a medic in New York and, and you know talking with him a little bit about what's going on as some other friends uh, who are right there in New York City and the surrounding counties. Um, just a big thank you to all you're doing. I know you're working around the clock and uh, you know trying to balance uh, you know regular responses with everything else they do in the station and the deconning and um also trying to get home to your family and reassure them that things are okay so um i just do did want to give you folks a big thank you and also uh, unfortunately we've had a couple of deaths related to covid-19 uh, that have been reported uh in New York City uh Chicago um Detroit Passaic, uh, New Jersey uh, among them so um you know as as we're going uh, about our our jobs out there no matter what it is uh, please just sure you know be sure you are using the right precautions um um you know to to try and curtail the growth of this uh pandemic um but you know um for all the responders who are out there you know you you, you folks are doing an excellent job and i just want to give you all the credit in the world for what you're doing and, and thank you so um so sean um sean egan is here from buffalo new york sean I spoke for us at Firehouse World uh, just uh, just over a month ago. Uh, last year, he wrote an article, he's working on some other content for us. And we're also looking forward to having him this year with us at Firehouse Expo um, in Nashville. And uh, Sean has also spoken at FDIC. So, uh, Sean, welcome. And if you wanna give us a little bit about your background uh, with Buffalo.
2: Sure, thanks so much for having me on. First, I, I wanna echo your sentiment to all those uh, folks out there on the front lines of this, including my brothers and sisters in Buffalo and Erie County here. um, We haven't gotten hit as quite as hard as downstate, but we have about 1400 or so cases in Erie County and right around 50 people have lost their lives. Um, Buffalo was hit pretty hard, the BFD. um, We probably have close to 80 people or so off on administrative leave that are either symptomatic or have had positive tests, but fortunately not too many are uh, it's very sick a few that are struggling that we're keeping in our prayers but uh about me yeah so i've been with the buffalo fire department now 22 years as a matter of fact monday is my start of my 23rd year uh april 13th 1998 i started the academy well uh, currently i'm captain with the truck company on the northeast side of the city um, truck seven um <clears throat> it's a great spot the reason i like the, you know we have nine trucks in the city of buffalo the reason i like where i am is based on our geography in the city we're going to a lot of fires we're covering east side we're covering in parts of the, most of the north we're getting down into the riverside section of the city a lot um, so being on main street and downtown or i'm sorry in the north side of the city we we really do get our fair share of work uh it's a great spot we're housed with engine 34 um and uh you know I, i'm privileged to be there i have a great crew my crew like like we're going to talk about here a little bit today, is. Uh, they had a tough year last year in 2019 with some incidents, but um
1: they're still pressing along. So thanks for having me on. Well thanks, Sean. And and for those folks who haven't been to Buffalo, uh, it's been a long time for me. Uh when I used to live up in Rochester, um, you know, it was definitely uh an urban uh, uh Rust Belt city. Um and, and I know, you know, there's been some some changes there, some upgrades to the city. Um but tell us about Buffalo's current state, maybe just over the you know 20 years you've been on a job, you know, what you've seen okay. because I think, um, you know, Buffalo's still doing a lot of fires um, for even the size of the city that it is. Um, like what's your status or the city status on vacant on structures and, um, you know, is it a lot of multi-family, is it a lot of single family? My sister went to University of Buffalo um, and I remember, you know, she lived in your typical northeast, uh, you know, two and a half story, three story college town home, uh, I think it was divided into six apartments. I remember, you know, that really specific because when I moved to Rochester, but the construction was very similar. Um, but just tell us kind of what your city is made up of. For sure. Yeah, no problem.
2: So so that you just hit the nail on the head right there. Um, two and a half story wood frame dwellings are pretty much our bread and butter. Uh, many of them are balloon frame. Many of them have been turned into, especially where I work, college housing, where you don't know there's six, seven, if not apartments, there's six or seven rooms. You know, um, your your sister's there and she own she pays a portion of the rent, but she gets one room, which with that yeah. comes, her room is her room, which means it's padlocked, which means, you know, it adds to all the sec- concerns you have in the middle of the night when you go to some kind of uh, fire call in that area. but. Um, Two and a half and a half story frames we are early on in my career we were we were crushing vacants i mean there was at one point i recall they did a study there was ten thousand vacant structures in buffalo and um things have changed um we do get a bad rap uh, but the city is really truly turning a corner um, we still do get like you said we do get a lot of fire load still uh the but the the, the main thing is they've been doing such a good job getting rid of these vacants and getting them bought up, so, um, so we have more and more of our fires now. Matter of fact, we had two already today. Uh, I've been paying attention to the wow. to the text from the guys. Not nothing major, luckily today. But um, with all this COVID stuff, we've been talking about. Who knows what's going to happen with, with the economic stuff that's going on. But a lot of a lot of our old buildings. The problem we have in Buffalo is is your, the urban setting. They're right on top of each other. Um, some of them are heavily fortified. You have multiple multiple generations of families perhaps living in the same house. Um, the other thing that you're seeing is all our old, many of the old type three buildings in the downtown area or even around the city that used to be your factories or your printing presses or anything like that are now either being converted into apartments, being converted into restaurants. And so all that comes with that is is, is the stuff we're dealing with Um Those buildings are old. They had buildings next to them for a hundred years. Now those buildings are gone in their parking lots. So you start worrying about the the collapse and the integrity of these buildings. But the city itself is really, and I hate to give, you don't want to get into the politics, but I hate to give them credit, but um, things have really turned around. There's a lot of good things happening in our city. Uh, The fire department, uh, we're very, very young. You know, I I say I Mm am 22 years and 45 years old. I'm a dinosaur. Um, We've hired, close to probably 500, 600 people in the last 10 years, uh, which is a 700 person department. You can see it's almost everybody. We have young officers now because with three years on, you can test for lieutenant. And most of my group, when the guys that were officers and the senior men when I was hired, are now now gone. So we're running into that challenge, which is is a challenge in terms of leadership, in terms of fire ground experience. There's fewer and fewer of us, and um, which may or may not lead to some of the incidents that we're going to talk about today. But um, you know, the city itself is doing pretty good. If we could just get our sports teams to step up, you
1: know, (laughs) we're getting at Orchard Park, right? So you're okay with that? Yeah, no, you
2: know, they're they're. I'd rather root for them. How's Rochester's football? Oh wait, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) yeah. Well, I I didn't live. I lived in the county, not the city. But either way. uh, (laughs) <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, I love the Amherst though. That was a, that was a great game. Oh, we had it. a lot of fun with them and, and the Red Wings too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you talk about all the growth and, you know, the, the parking lots, right? So the, the stability of these structures um, as companies, are you proactively going out and, and checking on these renovations that are being made, these changes that are being made? How do you folks uh, in the field find out about those changes? Um, is it when a call comes in? Sometimes, yeah. I mean,
2: so so we'll spend a lot of time in my district when we're out. You know, every day we're out doing something, and we'll we'll try to pop in if we can if the workers are there. And the nice thing about it is, once you get a rapport with these with the job general contractors or the foremen that are running these these especially these businesses when they're under uh, under renovations.
0: They're really uh-huh. great.
2: They want to, they want to, they're like firemen. They want to tell you what they're up to and show you all the cool latest tools that they're working with. It's, it's, you have to get that rapport though and understand that you're not there. You're not the guy there issuing citations, issuing, you know, the the code violation people. And, and obviously, if we yeah. see something major, we're going to, we're going to point it out. But once you get through that, the, the, the people want to, they want to tell you, they want to show you their work. They're proud of it. So they're proud of it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't always, and as with everything, our fire to, our fire prevention bureau is doing way more with less. You know, there's less there's less uh, inspectors up there, so we have to kind of be their eyes. So when we're out in our district, we see a building under renovation, or we see a building that looks like it had some uh, you know DIY type of renovations. We'll let them know, and um, they'll follow up with either our fire prevention bureau or sometimes the build, the city building inspectors. They're doing a really great job, but. It, it, our, our staffing levels in those critical positions are tough. The training division is okay. is tough, and the fire prevention is tough. Just because people want to work on the line for the most part, you know, young officers want to be mm-hmm. on the line where they get to go to fires. So, but yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times it's just be it's just knowing your district. It's doing your due diligence. It's my responsibility at two thirty in the morning to know what's going on in that building. So when yeah. when my crew's working, we're going to pop in. And again it doesn't have to be a formal two-hour thing it's just hey can i take a look around or hey tell me what's going on here if you're busy today let me have your email i'll shoot you a thing maybe i can get in and tomorrow or the next day you can show me around for a half hour that's all it takes Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. okay and then you know when you're back at the station right so you're you're at one two three main street and you go back to the station you come you know you get up in the morning the oncoming crews are you guys sharing that information or you know I remember the bulletin board, right? The uh truck board in oh, a lot right. of the stations, uh, that kind of stuff. But how are you sharing that information with the others? You know, so you have an engine and a truck in your place. How is that information being shared so everybody's on the same page, even if the same shift?
2: A lot of it's the the coffee table talk now. With okay. the state of the world with the COVID, uh, there's a lot less sitting elbow to elbow around a coffee table. But yeah, we, we have as the as the computer systems update the cad systems and everything like that we're, we're putting any kind of critical information we find on you know on our you know the the rip and run sheets which now show up on our mobile the terminals on our computer so any any kind of hazard screens the dispatchers see it the dispatchers will relay that information but critical stuff like where we are near up near ub a lot of the student housing they built there's um uh these buildings each one's different one was built say 10 years ago then a funding issue happened so they built another one it's in the same complex but it was a different gc so things are different that kind of information is just passed along on a company level and then i talk okay. to my chief who relays the information to the other crews in the in the battalion so oh
1: good okay yeah all right so your responses for your structure fires, what uh what are you sending out uh when it comes time for um uh, the fire coming in Okay, so any box, a full box, we send
2: out three engines, three ladders, the rescue company. We send a battalion chief, a division chief, who's basically our tour commander. Uh, we have a safety officer who is F40. If you listen to Buffalo ever, you hear F40. That's our platoon safety officer. uh F20 is our platoon EMS officer. They, they, they between the two of them, they deal with safety and accountability. Uh, but we're sending all our regular staff with four officer and three firefighters. Our third truck is generally deemed the fast truck or RIT, Rick, whatever your department calls it. We we just call them the fast truck. And uh, our rescue company runs with five. So you know, we're we're sending a fair amount of bodies to a fire, you know, twenty-nine, thirty mm-hmm. thirty folks on scene ready to do the job, ready to get into suppression right away, which is nice. And w- we start to modify our responses based on high rises, we're sending an extra pump and truck. Um, and then once it's confirmed, once we have a confirmed high rise fire, we Automatically um, transmit a second alarm. It's just all part of the SOPs and the protocols. But for the most part, it's three and three. uh, The rescue truck and uh, supports all support units. You know, the air truck and fire investigators, all those
1: guys. Okay, so that's a that's a good response. Uh, Really good response. And even even on the chief level, you've got plenty of uh, eyes and ears. So that's
2: that's good. Um, yeah, and during during the yeah. day, our safety chief is a staff position. He's a daytime chief, so he'll roll on any boxes that come in during his working hours. So you have mm-hmm. another another battalion chief on the scene usually, um, <clears throat> and our current safety chief is doing a great job. He's he was a very very good officer, and so he's really he's really um, making some great changes for us down there.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Good good news there. Okay. Um, and are you pretty much a, an SOP-driven agency then, or is it, it really depending upon uh, the scenario that you face? Where, what who's doing what? Yeah, so that's the thing.
2: So with we for a while, and we're getting better at this. I gotta be careful in case you know the bosses listen. But it seemed for a little bit we were getting to the point where we kind of had four different fire departments inside of one. You know, each each tour commander, each division chief, kind of had their way they wanted to do things, and some of our SOPs were written you know, back in the 70s and 80s and needed to be updated. Um, <clears throat> but all we have in the end is our SOPs. So what we're preaching and pounding to these officers now is to follow the SOPs. If there's something that's not working anymore because of you know all the research that's out there, let the chief of training know and we'll pass it through the chain so we can get these rewritten. Um, but for the, for the most part, we're, we're, we're doing a lot better with everybody has to follow everybody follow the SOPs across all four platoons. And we realize that that's gonna help keep our people safe, especially because our department is so young. The nice thing about having Mm -hmm. a young department is we don't have a ton of bad habits yet. You know what I mean? We don't have the crusty crusty old guys as great as they were over 30, 40 years of doing this. They kind of got into, oh, forget about what they say, listen to me kid type of stuff. We don't have that as much anymore. So the SOPs are becoming more and more important
1: with a young department like ours. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, then it, not everybody's on the same page if you've got, you know, conflicting reports of who's going to do what. So, absolutely,
2: um, especially for your not run of the mill, your high rise fire. We don't, you know, as big a city as we are, I mean, you know, in terms of we don't have a ton of high rise fires, we we will have a few a year, but especially in those type of incidents, the the not bread and butter, you know, you have to, all you can go by is what your SOPs say because they're, it's not something we're doing every
1: single day. So, those type of incidents,
2: it becomes more and more important
1: yeah okay well, that's cool. Well, I appreciate the insight that that's very helpful and will certainly help as we go on throughout the day or throughout the podcast. I'm sorry, uh so some of the folks have a better understanding of exactly what you guys are doing uh when you're pulling up so um so you know unfortunately and and fortunately for those involved you know you were involved in two major incidences last year um can you share uh, a little bit about a little bit about both of those? um you know can you can you kind of tell us the incident what what you guys were doing what happened when the mayday was called and and how the mayday incident was uh, mitigated sure so the first one was january 10th it was
2: um i wasn't working so back that back last january january nineteenth of 2019 i was still assigned to a staff position i was when i made captain i went to uh, the special operations branch for a while but um this fire happened my current crew was the fast truck on this particular fire and um engine 21 which was my company that's where i worked i promoted out of their first in at this fire and uh firefighter eric whitehead was in charge he was acting up that day and again it was a two and a half story frame the situation i had because i was home i got the message on you know the alert tone so i i had my portable in my truck and i i I, was going to pick up my son from hockey anyway so i popped the portable radio on i'm listening to it as i drove to the rink and he could just hear it things weren't going you know one person saying oh the conditions up here aren't bad but then the chief on the outside saying well we have heavy smoke pushing so something you know in my brain going through i'm going something's missing somewhere this fire's hiding from these guys you know and, and you start to get that sinking feeling so um i call. i called actually called my wife and I said, Hey, I'm going to go to this scene. Can you swing by and shoot down to the rink and grab our son? So as no sooner than sh- I pulled away, I hear Mayday transmission. And if you've never been a part of it, I wasn't there. I wasn't on a scene, but I knew every- the people, all the first two companies were my guys for the last four years prior. So I know their voices. I can hear it in their voice and not to mention, you know, I already had a, a, a bad feeling about it just from listening to it. So um <clears throat> he uh I start to head out and the, the the Mayday, Mayday, Mayday comes out over the radio. And now I'm like, oh. So now I pick up, I call the safety chief, assuming that he's listening too, because me and him work together every day where our offices were in the same building. He's like, What are you talking about? Well, he hadn't turned his radio on, he was listening to it on like a scanner app or whatever. And, uh, okay. which, which meant it was delayed. You know what I mean? His, he was getting it about 30 seconds behind real time. So I'm, now yeah. I start heading to the scene and fast forward. So, so what happened was these companies were making a push into the attic. The fire was present. first floor, second floor, really no fire conditions weren't too bad. They get into the attic. There's heavy heat visibility. It was it was, lit. It was probably eight o'clock at night, nine, eight thirty at night, something like that. So it was dark out. Um, not, not a lot of visibility, not a, parts of the attic seem to have high heat, parts didn't, this is all just from talking to the guys and, uh, without going into detail, cause I can't, um, <clears throat> Eric got separated from the line. Um, a couple guys had to bail out, they got burned and Eric got separated from the line and, uh Crews made a somebody up in the attic made a call. Let's retreat. Let's get back downstairs to the second floor regroup. See what's going on. So nobody had heard The mayday transmissions. Nobody had heard anything like that yet. So the crews back down to the second floor and fortunately one of the officers was kind of doing a quick scan and he's like, hey, wait a second, you know, we're missing somebody here. We don't have enough bodies well <clears throat> his crew to him and another guy from his crew and and an engine crew now have another line and they're up there and they're just starting to flow into the attic, starting to slowly try to push to see if they could find who's missing. Again, still no, still no transmission that anyone heard. Still no, nobody could hear anybody calling for help, anything like that. So fortunately, um, pretty quickly, you know, once they, once they realized and from the time they realized to the time they transmitted, the mayday wasn't 30 seconds. Um, they get up there, they find they find him, make the call, made a transmission, and my crew, that, my current crew now is the fast truck, so they start heading in, and um, long story short, they made the rescue, they got Eric out, he had pretty severe burns to his hands, um, he is otherwise alive and well, um, thankfully, but his hands were burned pretty bad. I don't know his status, if he's going to ever be able to come back to work or not, but uh, it was, it was this, you know, horrific situation. I've been involved in these before, but this was, again, I was listening to this unfold and I wasn't there. I was driving in my truck and not that I would have made a difference one person on the scene, but you know, you know what I mean? the the helplessness and, um, but they got him out quick. They got him down on the second floor. My crew, my crew now met them on the second floor, got him into, got him in out to the ambulance, trans transported quick. And, uh, he got the treatment he needed. And, you know, fortunately his SCBA was still intact. He was he didn't get any burns into his you know, his throat or face or anything like that. And uh mostly it was his gloves. He had to remove his gloves to try to activate his uh man down alert. He tried to call mate A. Okay. He didn't uh in talking to Eric after the fact, he didn't understand why nobody was coming to get him. You know, he's like, what's going on? Now, of course, mm-hmm. that delayed the delayed reality, what was a minute, probably felt like a half hour to Eric. So he took off his glove, and he knows, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He knows, he said, I really, you know, once I did that, his hand was burning so bad that he couldn't, he didn't know if he was able to even hit his me-day button. Then he took his other glove off. And, I mean, this, you know, you, you think of the the conditions that he was in and the state of mind he must have been, and he, he's, he's, but, um, they they were able to get him out, get him quick. He was in the hospital for a pretty good while in the burn unit, but again, he's he's live, he's well, he's um you know, he's he's still with us. I don't know his status in terms sure. of coming back to work yet, but it was uh pretty you said he's scary. Up there for about a minute by himself? That's the best we can guess. And again, I, I don't want to speak to any of the details because I, I don't know, sure. but it wasn't from the time they, you know, by the time they realized that he was missing, to the time he was back down to the second floor, wasn't very long at all. Um, the crews did a great job, and that and that's where you know if we learn anything, and not to get too much far ahead, but the the when you start studying fast teams and maydays and things, it's generally the other crews, like more most of the time, the other crews around are are making the grab, if you will, and then the fast teams assisting, but. Um, the crews up there luckily you had a truck company a rescue company another engine company they were able to get you know eric's a big boy he played d1 football uh they were able to get him down to the second floor um but the the problem you know the thing with this was that was my crew he was my guy before i promoted captain i was his lieutenant so it Mm -hmm. it was kind of hitting me hitting me harder because i'm you know all that well did i did we talk about this how many times how many times did i over the mayday scenarios and training with my crews that kind of stuff um and thankfully like i said i was able to talk to him after the fact and and you know he he said you know he's like i knew what to do and i did it and he's still with us so okay good good
1: so for that incident then was was the fast team already in place or were they still getting there based on it sound like it was fairly quick. Um, no, they
2: Tommy. they were, well, they were in place out front. Um, okay. actually, and in the world we live in, you can, there's video of it. Um, I don't know if it was a medic or if it was someone standing around, but you could see the first team, they were on the scene. So the, the street was, it's, you know, it's probably a mile from our station. So it wasn't, they were there, they were all set up out front. Um, and, as soon as they heard the mayday, they jumped, They could actually, like I said, there's a video of them. You kind of you see them jump in and start heading towards the building. So everything was in place. Everything was set. Um, we do that early on in my career. This is a, this is one of the real positive changes that happened throughout the course of my career. Early on in my career, the fast truck didn't get dispatched with the initial box. Um, they would call on a phone and they'd say, hey, "You know, truck seven. If that's a worker, you're you're the fast team." and that they we learned obviously that that's uh you know the quicker we can get them there the the, the better off they are so um, luckily the fast chain goes right away on on our initial box so they were all in place and ready to go and they were they got in there and they got to him and like i said he was out of the building you know like i said i don't know the exact times but he quick. was out of the building pretty quick um and like i said he's Fortunately, he's with us and, you know, he, he still has a little bit of a road ahead of him to for recovery. But the you know, last time I talked to him, he was still in pretty good spirits and, you know.
1: Okay. So, All right. So, um, you know, following that incident, um, were were any changes or maybe we have to hold off on this for a little bit longer? But I mean, was anything changed as far as dispatch response or, you know, response policies anything like that? um or was it um just kind of business as usual you know the incident happened and um you know reports will be done afterwards or, or well, did anything come up with that incident
2: well you know again without the reporting of it and the and the investigation the safety chief and the division chiefs of the department was handling but what what did come out of it as a positive is more and more people are preparing for this now so we would do we would do mayday drills on the regular you know once a month or so a a day where it's raining or a day where you can't really get out of the station hey let's just do some mayday stuff um but that kind of gave this heightened awareness to you know the main you know falling into a ball pit and you know the foam pit and you know reaching up and hey mayday 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 all that is one thing but if you don't nobody takes away that you're your vision, if someone takes away your radio, uh, your remote mic, if somebody takes, so those were the things that the the best positive that's come out of it so far is the heightened awareness and the, and the training that's come of it. Some of it's on the company level. Um, our training division is understaffed. They're doing, they're trying, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot with less again, just like everyone else, but they've been putting, we've been putting recruit class in, recruit class in, recruit class in. So they've had, uh, they've had a tough time so a lot of the training has fallen on the company level now the training staff will send out hey here's what i think you should here's what we want you working on but it's been it's been encompassed on the company level officers to actually perform the training so um but i know there's been a lot more preparation and practice and training so reps and sets with calling a mayday reps and sets with you know we're trying to get people away from activating the man down alert right away because it takes the radio, right? It takes control of the radio for a mm-hmm. minute or two minutes, and then. So we're we're trying to trying to get people away from doing that unless, you're you're not getting any response to your your Mayday's not working your past device isn't working unless you're really really truly lost you know almost luckily everyone that's happened. The it was resolved quickly. They we knew where the member was, we didn't have to go looking for him. we knew that somebody was down, so we didn't have to. So, the the may the man down button didn't need to come into play. So, you know, okay. I'd say the, the the best the most positive come out of it is, is increased amount of awareness and training on
1: it. Okay, and, and what what sort of training, you know, from the academy side when you were there, what what are companies doing, um, you know, after the academy? Are you doing in-service training annually for, oh, yeah. for many scenarios? Okay.
2: Yeah. So every year, oh. every year we have to get out, we have to do the bailout and when you're out, you have to, you know, uh, train on our bailouts. And When you're out there, they're running you through most of the time you're running through the confined space maze, which again, is nothing more than mass confidence. It's just getting you through, getting used to moving through tight spaces with your SCBA. And then once you get out of there, you're going to go through the whole homemade drill. And there, there was a lot of changes. Like we kind of eliminated lunar, and went from lunar to a who what where, you know, this is who I am, this is what I was doing, this is where I think I am, or this is where I was. So to, instead of it's quicker, it's easier, because we're we're learning that, you know, lunar, who I am, what I was doing, what my name is, blah blah blah, is all well and good when I'm just kinda going through the motions. But when I'm in in the heat of it and I'm under that duress, you know, it's gonna be hard pressed for me to get get my name and what I was where I where I was last located out. So um, but yeah, we're doing it every year. Uh getting out doing the bailouts, doing the Mayday drills, but mo- it's not enough. So most we're imploring company level officers to do that stuff with the guys too. And a lot listen, a lot of that stuff's fun. Good drills. You get out practicing using ground ladders if you can to make rescues and things like that, doing the Denver drills if you can find a building to operate in. It's a lot of good training. It's different than just, okay, let's go stretch some lines today or let's go throw some ladders yeah. today. It's different stuff. Get you a good sweat, get your heart rate going. So
1: Okay. Yeah, the Well it's good to hear. That's that's yeah. good to hear that the the training side of it is proactive and um um that it's, you know each of the members are impressed upon to do it. So that's that's really good to hear. Okay. For sure, yeah. Okay. But um so how about the second incident where you were uh uh intimately involved with uh that particular yeah. made Can you kind of line up that situation for us and yeah. tell us what happened there? This one I can speak
2: because I was, I actually was the one calling the it. I didn't call for myself. So here's the situation: we were, I was working overtime uh, on ladder four, which is on the city's west side. A box came in on the east side, up, I mean the far east side of the city. But the rescue company was in. We were do, They were doing training, so rescue one was out of service. So they dispatched us to take the place. So we basically they sent a fourth truck to that fire to take the place of the rescue. So. What happened was good two and a half well involved on the second floor and into the attic uh we when we arrived, we get to the we went kind of the chief gave us orders to try to you know the the rescue's job initially if if there's no if the, once the primaries are done and whatnot most of the time they're they're doing recon, so they're going to check the conditions so we we went through got to the second floor. Start heading to the attic to check the conditions. So once we got to the attic, I saw a hand line going up there. Um, so there was one engine company making a push into the attic. I get up, we start to head up behind them, and you know, it was high heat, zero, zero visibility. And this was, at, I think, 11 o'clock in the morning, zero visibility. Uh, I have my tick, I get up there, I'm looking. I mean, the conditions, you know, it was. Conditions were bad up there. And uh, so I'm trying to. This the, one of the chiefs was up actually in the attic also. He was, he saw that this crew was heading up there. So he went up there with them and they were, they were, they thought they were making good, uh, thought they were making a hit. The my truck crew was on the roof getting ready to do, you know, the topside ventilation. And so I'm trying to get their attention like, hey, back, back up to the stairs. Let's hang out here. Till till these guys get the roof opened, hopefully it'll lift. We'll see what we got, and then we can go from there. Well, they had been up there for a few minutes. Now, again, I don't know if it was two minutes, if it was four minutes. I, you know, they were as we got to the attic stairs, they were already on their way up. So they were up there a few minutes before us. Um, but the conditions were terrible. It was hot. Now the window. We were trying to keep the window. I know we we do it uh, one two three four not A B C D but we're the three side window was still intact when I got up there, I'm trying to keep that as intact as possible so we didn't draw stuff towards the rear on us. I actually said to my crew because I knew I had at least an engine crew and I had the chief up there with me. I I back to the stairs and I said to the guys, "Listen, keep these stairs clear. Don't let anybody else up here. You guys stay down here. I need you to guide us back if something goes wrong here." So start to go and then the, the chief outside is telling is radioing us inside saying listen the roof's open but it lit up what's going on maybe now you start but we got to back out we got to back out we have to back out so the the chief that was in the attic with me was he was ahead of me so he's trying to get the guys going, follow the line back and I'm doing all this stuff to making the noise here we are here we are come find me so what the first kid gets back to me we get him down to the landing and, uh, it was again, it was on the, on the difference between the attic floor and the first landing between the second floor and the attic was night and day still, still having yeah. smoke, but the heat was nothing. So I said to him when I got him there, I said, Hey, are you all right, brother? And he's like, Oh, I can't see. And I kind of chuckled like, well, no, neither can I, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's smoky. It's hot. And I get it. I'm like, well, here's the stairs right here. And he said, well, no. And then he fell. He like passed out right at my feet. So now I saw, you know, so I didn't know, again, because of the conditions, I didn't know if he was unconscious, if he just fell down, if he just fainted for a second. So I'm trying to pick him up. It's just this landing and and as usual, typical city house, there's all kinds of stuff on the landing. So footing wasn't the best. So now I'm trying to get him because the other guy was still up there with the chief. So I I didn't want to monopolize the radio. If I didn't have to, I wanted to try to get him to my crew. We could help him get out of there without, 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 taking up too much time because i thought the other if this kid was in peril the certainly the one that was still on his way out of the attic was also so yeah long story short i knew the chief upstairs had that guy and was was walking getting him back to the stairs i i go to pick this kid up and you know i mean listen anyone that's ever picked up a firefighter that was unconscious it was dead weight and i'm not a little guy but and i kind of let's just say he took the express route to the second floor so i I, he gets i go shooting down the stairs with him after him and now i see that he is he is passed out he's unconscious so again now i i'm still debating because i had my guys like listen we have to get him out of here let's go i had my crew there so i'm debating do we make this before i start calling any kind of mayday because i don't want to monopolize the radio with all that comes with the mayday right well, now he's out. Now I see, the chief is bringing the other firefighter down. So I I, I make the radio call okay. and um, call the A. I said, listen, because because they were ready to start opening up on this place from the outside, and the chief oh, starting to transition to his to a, to a d- defensive attack. And I wanted to let him know, we need a minute here. We're we're delayed a little bit. So I I called him the a and I did, I actually said, listen, he's out of the heat, but he's incapacitated. We're bringing him out. So I had my crew um before i had an engine company had just showed up with another engine company just got there the battalion chief that was the operations at the fire was there so we had enough bodies is what i'm getting at so we start mm-hmm. getting him down the stairs we're on the second floor we start getting him down the stairs now the fast team greets us about on the stairways about the on the on the first floor so they take him we get him out to the ambulance he wakes up he's no worse for wear but it was a really you know it was one of those situations where i actually debated do i call the mayday now because i don't want to monopolize this radio can we can i remedy this situation without actually transmitting the mayday and causing all the you know excitement that comes with the mayday transmission but in the end i i i made a decision that you know what because they're ready to transition because I still bodies in this building. We needed to make the call, and we needed to get so that the guys outside knew what was going on, so that they kept their interior firefighting operations going as, for another minute or two till we got this guy out safe. So, okay. Yeah, that was, uh, and and like I said, it was it was interestingly enough that you know um, not interesting. That's a bad phrase. But when we got him down, we got him on a stretcher he starts to, he starts to come to a little bit. I looked at him. I say, man, you're safe. Now we got you, you know, we're going to get you to the annuals, get you checked out. He had some burns. um, It's mostly steam burns from, from the heat, you know, but uh, nothing major. He was out of work, you know, a month or so. And uh, he's back. And the other kid was a little banged up also, but he's back to work also. So that, that one turned out to be, you know, as good a, good as good of uh outcome as we could hope for mm-hmm.
1: so you know in in don Ebbett's um his mayday report that he put together you know all the research you know it was 11 it was of of maydays are actually you know it's the writ team that's involved or the fast team that's actually involved in a successful rescue and it's it's almost like 70 percent it's either um 70 percent is the, the first in, or the crew of the, of the guy or the firefighter with the mayday or, uh, another crew that's already inside. So, you know, it sounds like both of these scenarios were pretty much in that 70 percentile of, of those who were in the vicinity handled the, the situation, right? I mean, there's no entrapment. There wasn't a collapse. Um, and the, the, the fast team played a role in, in the removal. Um, so. You know, from that, again, it's firefighter survival. You know, I think, you know, that's something that actually last year at Firehouse Expo was something we talked about uh, a lot, was there's been a lot of move away from firefighter survival. It's, it's I think the bailout is, is the biggest, uh, um, and it's, that's really, I think it's a regional thing too. I don't know if the folks all across the country are doing that, focusing on that as often, but it seems that firefighter survival's kind of gone away as, as a key training topic that sounds like you guys are, are certainly working on that in buffalo but when you talk to folks from other places i mean how much of an emphasis is put on that because you're your first line of defense right if 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 you're able to okay. if you're if you're able to get yourself out yeah that
2: that's um, for sure and and
1: y- y- you know you
2: you have to make it a priority and we're living proof they have to make it a priority and like, you fire for survival the the courses are hard because of the equipment that's needed but but truthfully we've done plenty of we've done plenty of mayday drills with the firefighter sitting in the chair and his SC with his scba on his gear on maybe put his hood around blocking his mask and it's no different i can't replicate the heat and the adrenaline of it all but he can work on mm-hmm. calling, transmitting his mayday like i said we would trans we would, maybe would get him turned around sometimes we do this if we get a vacant we get him turned around quick and hey we just lost the line We got to find the line and find our way out and those are simple, easy things that you can do, you know, at the station. Like I said, on a on rainy night, take t- take it into the bunk room or into the basement of this fire station, if you have it, where it's a little bit darker and work on fi- following a hose line out, work on transmitting the mayday. You know, the more that the, if the victim is, if the down firefighter is viable and able to help himself, the more help he can give, the better the outcome is going to be. And I knew it was 11%. I thought it was 15%, but 11 to 15% is all. Like that just goes to show. So we work on that too when we're the fast team. Like you you have to do different things that you can, you know, what 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 fast team, what else can you do as the RIP team to prepare for that situation? And I think about it a lot. And we actually talked about that at the um, at World. You know, we did the round table there and, you know, different strategies to maybe increase that number because the whatever that firefighter that called the mayday he had a job that he was doing so if his crews all leave that then what's happening the fire's growing yep. the are worsening so if we can figure out ways through research through training to make the FAST team make that even if we double it if we get it to 30 percent of the time the RIT teams uh RIT teams getting in there and getting the making the rescue that means that the fire attack is still going on and but that's all through practice and
1: training yeah yeah and that's i mean you know with the training aspect of it uh i remember from long island you know we talked about that is you know usually when you train with it you're only training um you know with your own department so the company i was in um we were the fast team to two to three different fire districts uh, or companies departments surrounding us we might train with them once a year and, and, and it was more of apparatus familiarization than anything else. So, you know, I think that's something that has to be done. Um, you know, we we actually had a department that um we we couldn't as a fast team go into their calls, we couldn't even listen to their radio. They had their own fire ground band and they were on high band, everybody else on low band. So you couldn't even assess what was going on until you got to the scene and then you would take radios off their rigs. So, you know, you're already kinda of handicapped there, but um you know so in your in your battalion is it battalion is that what you guys use in buffalo yeah battalion, okay yeah. so in your battalions i mean are you are you training on this with other companies as well is it just primarily your just so you you know again like you said you know there's four four platoons so there's four different operating right possibilities right so i mean how often are you doing that are you pretty much just doing it just uh with your crews and that's it so with, at least, again, I can
2: only speak for myself, but what I'll try to do is when we're doing that type of thing, I'll bring, obviously, the engine that's in the house. We just did this the other day out back behind the rig. It was a rainy day and with all this COVID stuff going on. We're getting out less and less and less into the into the public. So we brought the stokes litter out, brought the 200-foot search rope. We worked on rigging the basket to rescue a downed firefighter, and it was my, my crew in the engine. But then I passed it along to another platoon, And they did the same drill. And then once this kind of all slows down, that's a perfect we're we're gonna find ourselves, you know. This is a drill you can do at the fire station because you don't have to do any damage, Uh you just need to be able to, you know, get a ladder up, create a high point and do your thing. So it's in my it's on my you know calendar to bring the other engine companies in my battalion and bring them in and and go over this with them. And um, we do it once a month at least. We're working on some type of Mayday scenario during our normal drills um and again it it could just be even if it's something as simple as talking through one there's a ton of information if you follow you know the secret list or on firehouse.com you guys are sharing a lot and say hey here's this what can you glean read this article what can you glean from it what do you think and obviously that's all speculation we don't have any but it's simple it's easy you know here's what here's what i thought Absolutely. And that's but that's that's where most of the learning's done. You know, you 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 know, the more you if they pick up one thing in that conversation that helps them on the fire ground when things go south,
1: then we won, you know. Yep. Very true. Very true. Okay. So so from the incidents, I mean if if there's one or two takeaways and I know we've kind of covered them a little bit, but you know, if, if the listener is looking for one or two nuggets um what do you think those would be uh that you learned uh last year from the instrument as far as you know what when a mayday is called well for one is that you're never prepared enough that's a simple one
2: so <clears throat> you know it gives me chills to the i'm sitting here with chills right now listening to you know talking about it and during one of my the classes i do i share some mayday audio and it gives you the chills and that's standing there in a classroom talking so you're never prepared as you think for one you have to practice it you Mm -hmm. have to drill on it and everything we do in the service is reps and sets right you know and and when you're doing your training make it as realistic as you can now i'm not you know i've heard stories heard stories of people like taking you know vaseline or whatever on the vic, you know the dummies to make it more realistic to removing a victim well that's all that's great if you have it but you don't have to go that far you know go to your fire yeah. station shut the lights off draw the most fire stations i know have the the bunk rooms are dark as pitch anyways do some drills do do a mayday scenario tell one of your firefighters go in there and start the process our radios have direct mode that you can turn on and it doesn't go through the repeater so it's not going through the whole Um, The city's not hearing it, so you don't have to get on there and say, hey, this is a drill or whatever, but practice it. You have to practice it. And the other thing that we kind of glossed over is we've yet to find out what the psychological aspect of it is for these folks that were able to return to work. You know, that guy can come back to work and the first shift back at 7.15 in the morning, he sets his gear and boom, two minutes later, he's making a push into an attic again. So that's what you have to watch your people if they are able fortunate enough to come back to work, pay attention, have the conversation. Did they seek out professional help? There's no sin in that, you know. You don't know what mm-hmm. you don't know until it happens. Just like I talked about before in uh with the recruit school. You know, twenty one year old kid gets he's in the academy, he's all set. I want to be a fireman until you say, Hey, that ladder is a hundred feet and it goes straight up. Go ahead. You know, you don't know you're afraid of heights until you're afraid of height until you figure it until you climb a ladder for the first time. So these kids, you yeah. have to, these firefighters, you have to pay attention to their psychological, you know, how they, we don't know how they're going to be. So maybe handle them a little more with kid gloves when they do come back to work or on that next call, you know, it, depending on where you work, it might be months before they pull up to another, before the tones drop for a working structure fire again, you know, and, and it's just festering. It's just sitting in there and he's the nerves, he or she's nerves are going, you know, just that, those type of things train on it you never prepare as you think and watch your people you know see how they're pay attention to how they're how they're reacting how they seem and you know that's that's our job anyways especially as officers you know take care of our people their well-being and yeah. including their mental health
1: okay cool that, that's good i appreciate that okay okay um And then, I guess, uh, a couple of seconds here to plug uh, some classes that we do have coming up. So we do have you coming to Firehouse Expo this year in Nashville in July. Um, And for those folks asking about the the, uh, Firehouse Expo, we are still uh, planning to have uh, Firehouse Expo in Nashville. Uh, Things are certainly fluid at this point, uh, but everything is still, uh, at this point, on target for uh, the July 20th through 25th event. I know folks have been asking, so this is a good way to get the information out there. But at this point, things are still moving forward. Um, so Sean, we've got you down for a couple of things uh, that you're aware of, probably some other things you're not aware of. So the things you're not aware of, I won't put you on the spot right now. Um, but we've got you uh, co-presenting with John Haywick uh, for Managing Everyday Incidents. Um, that's on Friday afternoon. Can you tell us uh, briefly about that class and, and you know why folks listening should be joining you for that uh, particular program? Sure. So,
2: so the everyday the everyday incident is your water emergencies, your gas emergencies, your CO problems, electrical problems. They're the things that aren't you know the, the sexy calls that don't make them, but they're the things that can really get people jammed up. So, we're we we kind of thought that there's not enough out there to specialize in, you know, to, to talk about these kind you know your your ninety percent calls. You know, the work, your, there's a ton of tactical classes, there's a ton of truck classes, engine classes. So this was kind of the how do you handle, you know, the CO call or nowadays with the solar, the solar power becoming, that's something we'll be talking about is how you deal with, you pull up to, yeah. you pull up to that house fire and you look up on the roof, uh, look at that suite, going to get up there and vent that roof until you realize that it's got solar power, solar panels up there. And now you have to start. So it's just kind of a covering all the stuff that we do on a daily basis that we just kind of go blind through. I've gone, you know, you go on a CO call and you don't give it a second thought most of the time you get on a rig and you're gonna like oh, their battery is dead it's they need a new battery or it's 10 years old they need a new detector but you can get jammed up and we've if you follow along and you watch the the stories and you see about how many natural gas explosions do you deal with how many you know people getting electrocuted because they don't understand or you know again the diy electrician that does something did something wrong so kind of going to be the the uh the everyday call that we, every department in any town usa goes on and some tips and tricks on how to handle it hopefully you know okay. hopefully you pick up something that you may not know
1: all right great um yeah, sure. So that's something. a good class so that, is this the first time that you've had this class at, at yeah. a, a bigger show or i should say as a, as a at a show i'm sorry yeah right now it's going to be the first uh we were hoping
2: to do it a couple times between you know uh, february and then to but now with everything on lockdown, we, we might try to do a little bit online. But yeah, it'll be the first time. Um, all right, great. John and I are going to be team teaching. Really looking forward to it. Uh, John's a smart guy. Really going to drag me along. I'll tell the jokes. He'll do all the teaching. No, but you know, he's i so I'm really looking forward to. It. Yeah, it'll be the first first major conference that we ever presented
1: it at. Yeah. Okay. So it should be a good program. All right, great. Looking forward to that. And then uh, Saturday morning, we've got you down for top tips for effective truck operations. Uh, what, what will you be covering in that program?
2: So that class is—I just did it at World, and it was again, it's a newer program and it's ever evolving. But it's kind of the truck 101 class, and it's 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 you know the standard lovers you acronym or whatever version of that your department uses. But we're kind of going to go over size up for. Ladder ladder operations uh, size up for ventilation size up for force and we're going to run through the whole lovers U acronym and just give some brief tips and um, <clears throat> there's so much out there in truck work and it all has to get done whether you're a small department that doesn't have a dedicated truck you still have truck work has to get done and that's kind of who it's for it's it's for your departments that have one truck or no trucks here's some quick tips on how to make sure you accomplish all the things that need to be accomplished and you're not sending 12 firefighters you don't have 12 firefighters dedicated to truck work like i do so it's good Mm -hmm. covers the lovers you the the lovers up ladder and overall ventilation entry rescue search overhaul utilities etc so um pretty good you know i i I was happy with it in uh vegas i've made some changes based on feedback i got from the guys and i'm really looking forward to doing it again in nashville
1: great okay cool I i look forward to having that as well um so that'll be um Friday and Saturday at Firehouse Expo. Um, Sure, I I think we're pretty much wrapped up today. Um, Anything else you want to share with the listeners? I know it's a new podcast, so um, I do appreciate those folks who are listening. We've had a couple podcasts already uh, in the bag, one with uh, John Salka from FDNY talking about his column, uh, The Fire Scene, and then also Tom Dunn, who just uh, authored a book on his 34-year career with FDNY. Um, I've had a chance during the um, stay-at-home um, with the COVID to, to read through some of the book I read, I read a brief topic. I read it briefly when it was still in, um, the trend, um, the phase court went the publisher, great book, a lot of good lessons in there. And, um, we had Tom on to talk about some of the lessons from the book and, and, you know, just about the fire service in general and what he's seen change and what he expects to come down the road. You can find those at com slash podcast as well. Um, but Sean, before we wrap up, anything else you'd like to share with the audience?
2: Uh, no, I just keep get out there and train, and do what you can do. This the, you don't need. We're learning more and more in this new world that we're living. I hate to say it like that, but this new this era that we're in right now, there's tons of resources online that you can get on. We just did the Zoom Zoom classes, and so you have to think outside the box when it comes to training at, at in this state that we're in. I know my department's kind of got us locked in the station as much as possible Turn all this so we're not out um, but there's plenty of information out there um, i'm sure you'll share my contact stuff i'm i'm always available if anyone wants to connect <clears throat> i'm on all the social media platforms and stuff and uh but yeah the, you know we will get through this and um i think this is a good challenge for the fire service but we'll be better for it and we'll be more prepared next time
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about the, the restaurant industry and how much they've changed. You know, we, we were just talking about businesses that have been able to uh, kind of really, and obviously with, with the shutdown, right? I mean, there's, restaurants are really the only ones that can survive um, during the essential, non-essential time. But, you know, there's restaurants that have probably been amazing restaurants. They'll never see the light of day again because they were not able to adopt their model or adapt. I'm sorry, adapt their model uh, to the current situation. Um, but we've also seen hundreds of departments uh, who have done that. Uh, we received an article today from one of our partners for Firehouse Expo uh, in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, in order to spread out the resources and you know potentially prevent prevent that contamination, um, they use the school as well as some other buildings to house companies. Uh, a friend of mine, one of his first days as fire chief was when this happened and he ended up opening a second station because all his resources were in one building and they had actually already had an incident earlier in the year where a bunch of firefighters had gotten sick so they knew right off the bat hey we need to spread out the resources so really you know with COVID, i hope you know i hope folks are paying attention that's one of the things we're trying to do is share things that are going on right now uh, so that these lessons learned as we call them they're getting out because there's other departments that still need to you know pick them up so um it's it's an interesting time on so many levels but to see what else can be done um if eye-opening it really really is so um yeah. and, that, and that's
2: the same thing as you know we don't know when as we're getting you know the curve is flattening and we're on the hopefully on the downswing here and life starts to get back to normal what as a fire service is what challenges are we gonna expect based on you know on this it is is arson going to become arson for hire going to become a bigger problem for all the reasons you just mentioned i know that's in my thoughts i'm thinking about that like you're going to be dealing with more people you know multiple generations of families living under the same roof just because until the economy turns back around so these are all things that besides the staffing and besides keeping ourselves safe that we're going to deal with when this is over i i think I, i
1: could be wrong i suppose but i think we will yeah. And, and, you know, there was a story yesterday um, that I saw, I'm not sure if we posted it or not yet, but there was a story that said that uh, folks on Google um, or, or Google has tracked the data that folks are, are searching how to set a fire um, more now I than did ever see before. That. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, when we were out in Vegas for Firehouse World, we were talking to a couple of folks and they had gone through a period because Vegas, the Vegas uh, region or valley, had seen an uptick in vehicle fires. Um, and that was an indicator that uh, the economy was not as strong and stable out there. Um, and they, they ebb and flow, right? I mean, they're kind of out there in the desert. So everything works around that. But this was, you know, months ago now that we were talking about it, they had a huge number of vehicle fires. And what they found was folks were trying to get out of their car payments because the um, the businesses, the building, the home building, and stuff like that was down. So vehicle fires, right? And you get $15,000 that can kind of help float you for a while. So, yeah, right now it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens in the next couple of months as, as businesses try to rebuild. I um, saw a story the other day out of Orlando. There was, I think, uh, it, it wasn't Orlando, someplace in Florida, but they had three or four of the same types of businesses uh, go up in flames in one night and they thought they were all related to um, um, the same owner, you know, so talk about irony, right? What's going on, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. So, um, so we appreciate you taking the time, Sean. Thank you so much. We'll see you uh, in just a couple of months when we're allowed back outside and um, we'll see you in Nashville. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Sean, stay safe, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll be back with another podcast soon.
0: At MSA, your health and safety drive is to develop advanced safety equipment with performance and protection in perfect balance. Like Globe Athletics, the latest innovation in turnout gear. Developed as an athletic gear for firefighters, Athletics uses unique stretch fabrics that provide body contoured fit for unprecedented range of motion and flexibility. It's lighter weight, less bulky, and provides the protection you need from your turnout gear. Get the full story at msafire.com slash globe.